Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Sneaky Emu, episode 86, I believe, that we're going to call Thank You, Mr. Webb. Thank you, Mr. Webb, part one. I want to do maybe a couple of episodes on uh, the, the all the hubbub that's happening in the world of science and space. So this is, oh, this is the Sneaky Emu, a place where we want to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God that sometimes we fail to see. Uh, that are, what? Man, he messed it up. Let's try it again. A place where we want to discover the wonders of the world and the beauty of God that are always before us, that sometimes we fail to see or occasionally overlook, or in this case, sometimes are just too far away. Uh, Mom, thanks for listening. The um, today's a today's a good day. Today's an exciting day. Just just in general, it's a good it's a good time to be alive. Um, whatever the things you're facing or dealing with, or frustrations or stress. Uh, it's, you're still alive <laughs> and those things may have you down, but guess what? There's still a beat in your heart and there's breath in your lungs. And I believe we live in a world that's full of possibilities and, um, things can get better and things can change. And, uh, as we've been talking the past several episodes, like, um, the, the amount of time we have here is very precious. And so uh, let's not keep dwelling uh, on, on that which isn't bringing life, that which isn't sparking joy. Anyways, I thought this would be like a good, a good kind of uh, topic for the next couple of days. And because it's fairly current and we don't do a lot of hyper current situations uh, or thoughts or ideas, here on the old emu that sneaks, but I thought this one, this one is like something I'm pretty interested in, and ties into stuff we've talked about before. And really, as I've been reading and and researching and learning, um, there is like a ton of interesting insights, like beyond the discovery of space that I. It's the discovery of space that leads to, um, in my mind, all kinds of other insights. In fact, a couple years ago, I did I did a whole Christmas series that ended up being primarily about space, which I thought was fantastic and interesting and awesome and weird, but it worked out pretty good. So, the, uh, who is it, NASA released their first images taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. This was this past week, right? And at this point, it's probably old news to you. You've seen the pictures. I'm assuming you you saw the first one come out and people all over the place are talking about it. You know, internets, socials, medias, um, the news outlets. Uh, it's kind of like um, up front and center, in a lot of the talk in our world currently, and and with good reason, because this thing is actually, I mean, it's so, so incredible. So in case you have been living under a rock, uh, um, there's a new uh, space telescope named the J James Webb Space Telescope, Telescope, use your words, and it it's kind of like the new Hubble, if you will. The Hubble's been out there taking photos and sending us 
all kinds of cool information about the universe for the past like 30 years or something. And so finally, they've developed this new, you know, the, the new version, Hubble 2.0, that's called the James Webb. And the James Webb is, man, it's really incredible. And I, obviously, I'm not a scientist. I don't know all the hyper details of how they've engineered this thing and the feats of engineering strength that they've gone through to make this thing happen and, and the technology that it takes. And like, actually, I do marvel at that. Like, there are people smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> Somebody figured out, one, we figured out how to launch something or someone off of our planet into the universe, into the galaxy. And then we figured out how to design and develop these telescopes that can receive uh, images, that can, that can observe light in different um, wavelengths, and then put together an image for us at like... How, I forget how long they said it took for the for it to capture this one this one picture, but it's been I think the James Webb has been doing its thing for like six months or so, and it's just now sending this this handful of images back, and it's absolutely fascinating. The big one, of course, being the first one. If you haven't seen it, you should look it up because I can't describe it. Obviously, um, let's see. I'm gonna. This is a. I, I've got an article from Smithsonian talking about some of this, so I'll probably be referring to some of this a bit as well uh, before we get to our, kind of my, my main thought here. Uh, but I figured we'd do, <clears throat> we'd do a little series on this because of all the incredible, the incredible insights that come from this. Uh, so let's see. The deepest, sharpest infrared image ever captured of the distant universe was revealed last night. This is from July 12th. A stunning display of the galaxy cluster S, uh, SMACS0723, because it matters to you, delivered by recently launched James Webb Telescope. Just a century ago, scientists believed there was only one galaxy. That, by the way, may be something we talk about later. That within a century, within 100 years, we went from believing there was only one galaxy to understanding that there are literally billions, I assume. I assume. Because uh, in in the image that they sent back, um, if you've seen it, it's like the dark sky with all these little blips and swirls and dots. It's, it's really beautiful. <clears throat> but they, um, even within that one photo, they believe there's, there's thousands of galaxies in that one photo. So that alone, that shift in consciousness and understanding of, for us as humans, that we were the center of, I mean, at one time we thought, we used to think that the earth, uh, that the sun revolved around the, the earth, right? It wasn't until, uh, what's his name, um, came along and said that, no, no, we live in a uh, heliocentric universe, which is to say the sun is the middle of it, and then we're rotating around the sun, which by the way, he actually got, um, I don't know if he was killed, but he, he was exiled, excommunicated from the church because the church refused to believe in the science. <laughs> yeah. Was, was that Copernicus? Is that who that was? I'm just making stuff up. I didn't research that guy. I'm just saying, I know that when they discovered, uh, when he discovered that the earth revolved around the sun, it was a huge deal and flew in the face of the church and the church did not like it. And they um, punished him for that which is a whole different lesson, by the way. Like, are there things now 
long-held traditional beliefs that we have about <clears throat> who God is, how the universe works, that the church or religious people are clinging to in the face of science, that we will look back in another hundred years and go, they believed what now? Right? So maybe maybe one little lesson. This isn't this is a freebie. This isn't even the main thing. Uh is the, the maybe the lesson for us is that um we, we need to hold things a bit looser and we need to be a bit more open uh with how we think about these things, how we think about the nature of God, how we think about how the universe works. Maybe we need to be a bit more flexible because if we believe in an infinite God, and if we understand that we are finite beings, what possibly could a finite being understand of an infinite God? Anyways, let's continue in the article, shall we? <laughs> uh, the image revealed thousands, uh, all found in a tiny speck of sky comparable to the size of a single grain of sand held on a, on a finger at arm's length by somebody standing on the ground. Okay, so this is, you, you've probably heard this because this is like the big phrase that they keep using to describe like just how incredible this thing actually is. Um, it's like, uh, so basically, if you were to take a tiny grain of sand, which at my at, at my ripe young age uh, would even be difficult to <laughs> maybe to see, and if you held that tiny grain of sand on your finger and extended your arm all the way out in front of you and held it up into the night sky, the amount of space that that tiny grain of sand would block out from your vision in that tiny space they've taken a picture and in that tiny space of what seems to be blackness and nothing of the universe of the night sky they've discovered like over like uh, i think it's like 10,000 i don't know thousands of galaxies behind that one speck that is blocking that's being blocking your view from the night sky i mean that is phenomenal that's 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 crazy a place where we can't see that there's even a thing that's so far beyond our vision that it's uh covering or that it contains thousands of other galaxies by the way if you look at the photo you can actually see that there are um a lot of them are what, what are called spiral galaxies which is like the milky way the spiral galaxy, and th there are so many of these in the universe as well. And the spiral, um, I've talked about this before. If you look at uh, like the the Fibonacci stuff, the golden mean, the golden ratio, the um, what is it, phi or phi, uh, not pi, but phi. It's like this ratio, this equation that is everywhere in the world that we live in. So much so that some people have given it the nickname, the fingerprint of God. So even out in the depths of the sky that we can't see with the visible eye this tiny um speck sized area in our from our perspective um even that way out there has these little fingerprints of god it's fascinating um so anyways they take this picture and, and several of them sent but i just want to kind of look at this one for for right now um it says finally more than three decades after its conceptions after six months in orbit so this thing has been 30 years in the making. Uh, it's been in orbit for six months. Sent its first color images, delivering an unprecedented look at our universe. Uh, they're sending some more later. Includes a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
they're they're talking about how um, they're using this this telescope to be able to determine the age of the universe, which is fascinating in and of itself because of just um, the the longstanding debate between things like creation and evolution and God spoke and the Big Bang theory and all of this stuff. Um, and the people, uh, the, the new earth versus old earth way of thinking. Um, this is all like, this is all getting to some of these questions, some of uh, maybe potentially answering some of these questions. If you don't have an opinion on it already, this may reveal some things to us. Um, this roughly $10 billion telescope, $10 billion telescope allows us to see deeper into space and further back towards the origins of the universe than humans ever have been able to see before. We can observe the light of the universe from the very first stars and galaxies formed 13.5 billion years ago. Um, yeah, the fact that uh, it, it's such an interesting thing because whether you believe in the Big Bang or the God spoke uh, understanding of how the universe began, what we, they've been able to prove is that the universe is still expanding. And so it's continuing to go out further and further and further. And so what they believe is that the edges of the universe, which is another strange question, strange idea, the edge of the universe, because what's what's beyond the edge? Well, it's got to be, is there nothing? Or is there more, is there empty universe? Like what is this space that this uh, continually expanding universe is sitting in and we are sitting in it? Man, this gets, it gets really trippy really fast. It's like almost too much to even wrap your head around. At least, you know, in my, uh, in my tiny, tiny brain. So anyways, uh, they're looking this back at like deeper into space every four. So the further you see out, they actually, if the universe is continuing to expand, the further back in time you're actually beginning to see. And so what they believe is if they can get out further into the edges, like they are with, with the James Webb, that they will actually have a chance to understand how things began. Yeah, there's a lot. There's just, there's so much stuff here. So before I continue, uh, well, okay, let me, let me read a couple of great lines because we'll talk about these over the probably, I might do two, maybe three, who knows, maybe even four <laughs> space casts, space podcasts. Um, so the, one of the guys says, looking at the universe with the web will be like looking at a familiar photo with a different set of glasses that allows us to see new details in that photo that we've never seen before. If you've ever gone through the experience of getting new glasses, you know exactly what this is like. Oh, that tree <laughs> has individual leaves, <laughs> right? It was just this green kind of blurry image. And now I see it's this big, beautiful tree with uh, specific individual leaves and I can tell the color in greater detail and whatever. Um, he says, uh, Everywhere web will look, we will see something new. So again, another another huge interesting lesson that this thing is so powerful and whatever. And uh, everywhere that it it points its lenses, it will expose something unseen or a new detail or whatever. Like when you put on new glasses, um, this to me is also a maybe a prescription for how we need to approach like the things of this life. Like we get so caught up in, in the everyday and seeing the same old familiar things and we, we kind of get numb to some of this. And so maybe 
there's something here about changing our perspective or changing the lens in which we view the world that might bring us to new sort of ideas and thoughts and processes, whatever. Um, let's see, let's keep going. <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to just get some of the highlights here before I get to the other thing I want to get to. Oh, oh, the awe-inspiring web images, images, web captures of our universe and the discoveries it promises about its origins and our own are the culmination of work by some 1,200 scientists, technicians, and engineers from 14 different countries. This is a huge project that involves all kinds of different people. Something like the Webb Telescope really shows what humans can do when we get together. When we put our mind to it and we preserve uh, to it and we preserve for years, persevere, sorry, persevere for years and everybody works together, things like this can be done. And to me, that's inspirational. So not only do you have these incredible photos like just insane, beautiful photos of like these different tiny portions of our universe. Um, these tiny portions from our perspective that are actually massive, massive things. Uh, not only do you have all that, but then like the work and the effort that it took to make this thing happen and the people, the collaboration that are people coming together and it just... There's so many different layers to this thing. Um, they talk about just the, the photos are beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, it really is. This is a huge moment in, in, in humanity, in understanding, having a better understanding of space in our universe. And even I think it's funny to think about this is a breakthrough moment in our, uh, in humans understanding of the universe. And yet um, this is like nothing new. <laughs> like this has been here going on the whole time, like all on its own. And it's just that we're now discovering it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, a bunch of stuff, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. But to me, one, one of the first things I think that spoke to me with this, aside again from the beauty of the images and all this stuff, is just obviously the, the vastness that from our perspective behind a grain of sand held out into the night sky, what's what that hides, what that covers is this entire other world universe space out there that contains thousands of other galaxies. Our galaxy is but one of billions of galaxies. And so Sometimes when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the day in and day out of how, of, of what we have to do, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I know I have to, uh, I've, I've got a few things going on in my life. I just, I just planted a bunch of plants because, uh, a lady wants me to help her start a nursery and I'm like, um, uh, cool. I'm sure we'll see where this goes. So I planted a bunch of plants. Um, I got a lot of like to-do list things at my house. Uh, I'm looking at my desk. I've got uh, sermons to write and series to create. I've got a, a tax. Um, I have to renew my tag for uh, my motorcycle because that's expired. Uh, I, I have to pay some taxes on my truck because I have to renew that tag as well. Um, I, I've got uh, my, my daughter is looking at getting, um, my wife is getting my daughter braces. So we're looking at finances for that. Uh, there, there's just an endless list of stuff that is happening in all of our lives. There's, there's relationship issues, there's financial issues, there's figuring out, like th there's 
upkeep issues with the house, with the cars, with the with our relationships with our families. Like uh, there's health issues within our own bodies, uh, things that may be off, maybe some sickness, maybe some disease, maybe some whatever. There's just there, there there's all this stuff that we deal with on a regular day in and day out basis, trying to pay the bills, trying to keep keep our our, our heads above water, trying to enjoy our life the best we can. Um, there's all this stuff that can actually become a bit overwhelming, right? That, that can, can wear on us, that can take its toll. And sometimes I think we forget that we are not the center of the universe. We're, we're not even the center of our own galaxy, right? Like we're a, a small planet in orbit around a large sun that is a part of a galaxy that is only one of billions of galaxies within the larger universe. Like, if this kind of thinking doesn't give you some better perspective, I don't know what will. And I, and I think that's the big thing too, right? Is like, just perspective. It's easy to see all of my stuff, all of my issues as big and grandiose and life-consuming and whatever. But if you back up, if you back out and 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 have this like universal view that, that carries the wrong terms. If you view our world in our galaxy, your life in your town, in your state, in your country, in, in our world, if you view that from the perspective of the universe, what is our problems? Like, what are they? They're really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. These mountains that we call our problems in the scope of the universe are, I wouldn't even say they're molehills. They're little, uh, they're, they're less than molehills. They're a tiny ant hill. I don't know. Um, even so like in the book of Job, you know, God is, there's this back and forth between Job and God. I want to read you this, this, uh, it's Job 38 and God is, you know, Job has been complaining about all the stuff that's going wrong, obviously for good reason. And then God actually like, like pushes back a little bit to Job. I want to read you this. This is, this is several verses, but it's basically God, the creator, the divine being, which all things have come into existence, like kind of pushing back on humanity's issues, right? So <laughs> This is Job 38, uh, 4 and following. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. <laughs> what a great opening line, by the way. Oh, you think you're you think you're hot stuff? You think the world revolves around you? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. You're so small, I don't even think you can understand what I'm telling you when I said I created the whole thing. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know because you're so smart in all your wisdom. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstones? While in the morning, stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the seas behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped, its, wrapped, and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud waves halt. How uh, have you ever given orders to the morning 
or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the sea, springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have, the, have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. <laughs> he just, he's just blasting. He's just blasting him, uh, which is so phenomenal because it's so poetic. It's so beautiful and so true and so big and so deep and so wide. But it also has like a point to it. It has like a, you know, like a, like a, not like a point, like a larger meaning, but like it's got an edge. It's got a sharp edge to it. Tell me if you know all this. Uh, what is the way? What is the way to the abode of light? Where does the darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? <laughs> how do you not laugh at this? By the way, <clears throat> what is the way of the book? How how do you get to light? Where does darkness hang out? Can, can you take them there? Uh, do you know the paths to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born and you've lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? I'm going to skip forward down a little bit because I'm thinking, I'm getting too caught up in this. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, does the rain have a father? Whose father, who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? And th this is the big lines here. This is the big lines here. Can you, can you bind the chain of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of, of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Okay, so this bit, can you bind the cha chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations or lead the bear out with its cubs? So in this part, <clears throat> uh, there, th th these are actually three very specific constellations. Um, and what's fascinating about these things is as science has progressed, as they began to explore the universe in greater detail, um, all of these sayings are actually in line with how the stars and constellations are functioning. The, these three specifically, by the way, um, the, like the Pleiades, they've discovered that the Pleiades, and this is just, um, this is like the hyper brief summary, by the way. Uh, I think I did a whole, a whole message on this at one point, but the Pleiades is a cluster of stars that, um, I forget, it's like 250, some, some 200 stars that are all moving through the universe in sync as if they are tied together, as if they are bound together like a family unit. So when he says, when God says to Job, and remember this is written thousands of years ago, long before we even knew there was more than one galaxy, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? So the, this constellation of 200 stars that's, that's moving through the universe is like it's tied together. That that's what we've discovered in with our modern science. And back in this book of Job, God is saying to Job, can you bind the Pleiades? Yeah, it's fascinating uh, that he says, can you loosen Orion's belt? So 
you know, most people are familiar with the constellation of Orion. Of course, Orion's belt, you've got the three stars that are all like in a line. What they've discovered is that these three stars aren't actually tied together and they're all actually moving at different speeds and in different directions. So what will happen over the course of time is that that constellation will actually change. Uh, and so you won't have these three lines of Orion's belt, they will be scattered or a, a bit separated or out of line at some point in the distant future. So they've discovered that these stars are individual and they're moving on their own at different speeds and different directions. Yet thousands of years ago, God says to Job, can you loosen Orion's belt? Because apparently God knows that these stars are moving in different directions, which means Orion's belt will one at some point be no longer. <laughs> like this is this is wild stuff. Uh, and then he says, uh, uh, "Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons, or lead the bear out with its cubs?" Uh, this is a uh, some translations refer to this as Arcturus, um, and other other translations that say, "Can you can you guide Arcturus?" Um, but basically, Arcturus is this is a I believe it's a sun. I don't know. It's a it's not a planet. It's a sun, a star, whatever. That I think it's a sun. That's it's massive, right? It's like I forget the exact calculations, but it's like a hundred times bigger than our sun, and it's like, like it's it's hurling itself through the universe at these insane speeds. Just like if if it were to run into something, it would utterly obliterate it. And it's basically this juggernaut of a sun that's traversing through our galaxy and smashing anything that gets in its way. And so in, in a different version of this passage, uh, God says, can you guide Arcturus, right? So, <sighs> so all these things, all these things, all these things, it's all about perspective. So when all of my stuff in my life seems to be out of control or a bit chaotic or a bit more than I can handle, one on the on the larger scale of things it's quite small right compared to the the size of the universe the fact that 10,000 galaxies fit behind a grain of sand on my finger as i stare into the night sky the universe is massive our planet our galaxy is small our world is smaller our country is smaller our state is smaller our city is smaller our house is even smaller. And it's not to say that your life doesn't have significance. I believe it does. I believe we just need to have a bit more perspective that when these things seem to be so large and so looming in our lives, that in the greater scheme of things, they're probably not that big a deal. I mean, even if you just think about your own life, think about the major problems you had a year ago or 10 years ago. 10 years ago, what, what, what were the things that were so stressful and overwhelming that you got depressed or hurt or bothered by from 10 years ago? Can you think of anything? I mean, unless it was like the death of somebody that's very important to you. Aside from that, my guess is that it's not going to like register, like nothing else is really going to come to mind. So from the, from, from this larger perspective, like it, it does help to put things into place. And on top of that, when you consider 
the idea that there is this divine being that we call God that has uh, put this stuff into place. And so much so that even thousands of years ago, this God in this was having this conversation with this guy, and he's like, can you loosen the chains of the Pleiades, or bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you guide Arcturus? Like God was speaking of these things as if it's like just, that's part of what he does. It's part of who he is. Like that's the kind of power uh, and, and, and effect that this God that we say we believe in has. So if the concept or idea that having this much larger Per, like perspective from the universe, this massive universe that we still aren't really sure about the edges of it yet. If that doesn't give you enough perspective uh, when it comes to your issues and your problems, then maybe understanding that the God who created all this and who knows and how it all functions um, is is a part of all of this and is like wanting to participate and be involved in your life, like that should give you a bit of peace as well, shouldn't it? So not only do you have a better perspective with this, but also the God that created this, that, that gives us the ability to have the perspective, like is inviting us to be in relationship with this divine being, which should give us some peace that whatever these big things are that are a bit overwhelming, like, yeah, he, he, he's got it. He's got it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so then what are we what are we really worried about? What are we really getting upset about? What is it that's like what why do we allow these things to take over? Why do we allow uh, the, the the really the petty things of life, even even the big things ultimately are a bit petty, aren't they? Even the big things, if compared to all of this, are a bit petty. Um there's a great story. Uh let's see if I can find it right quick. A great story. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, there's a story, uh, from an unknown source. It's a, it's an older story and maybe you've heard this before, but I thought this was so great. I, I want to be able to articulate it properly. So, uh, it says William Beebe, the naturalist used to tell the story about Teddy Roosevelt at Sagamore Hill. After an evening of talk, the two would go out on the lawn and search the skies for a certain spot of star-like light near the lower left-hand corner of the great square of Pegasus. Then Roosevelt would recite that this is a spiral galaxy in Andromeda. It is, our, it is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. Then Roosevelt would grin and say, now I think we are small enough. Let's go to bed. <laughs> How great is that? So Teddy Roosevelt, who was a pretty important guy, William Beebe, pretty important guy, and carrying a lot of weight, responsibility for life and the country and things like that, they would get together and have a conversation. Roosevelt would go out and stare at the sky. He would marvel. He would wonder at the vastness of the universe. He would acknowledge that there are hundreds of millions of galaxies and billions and hundreds of hundreds of billions of suns, each larger than ours, that our sun in and of itself is as big as it is, as great as it is, is not the biggest, it's not the best. It's the... Then he would smile and say, now I think we are small enough. Let's go to bed. Right? 
Sometimes it's about having a larger perspective. And if you believe in this divine being who created all of this and understand that he's got it in control, there should be this added bonus of peace. And when you have this perspective that all of your stuff and all of your world that you think is so big and so pressing and so urgent isn't really that big, it should give you a bit of a relief, a bit of peace, a bit of calm. So what I would like to say is, Thank you, Mr. Webb, for showing us the vastness of the universe so that now we can understand the smallness of ourselves and so that we can understand that God ultimately has all of this in control. Let's go to bed. Now we are small enough. Let's go to bed. There you go. All right. This has been the Sneaky Emu. This is episode number 86, I believe, the one that we're calling Thank You, Mr. Webb, part one. So hopefully we'll have a couple more lessons out of this that I think are worthwhile. We're going to keep talking about space. One, because it's cool. Two, because it's happening now. Three, because this is a big deal. Four, because it gives us a lot of perspective. Yeah. Episode 86. Mom, thanks for listening. All right, guys, I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. God bless. Go in peace. We're here to unlearn. Teachings of the church and the state. We're here to drink beer, we're here to kill war.